Hello, everybody. Happy to be back with you this week. A bit of a weird scheduling anomaly, mostly due to my calendar not facilitating an easy record this week. So just going to be me and my trusty can of Rainier guiding you through this episode. If the fine folks are Rainier listening, I want to throw some sponsorship dollars our way. But just going to be a one-man show this week, so probably a shorter episode. Going to keep most of the content I had planned with the guys, but maybe some slight amendments here and a couple topics that I wanted to hit on this week. Yeah, going to start with some college football. Looking at the New Year Six bowl game projections, how these things have gone quite awry from what I expected at the beginning of the year. But now that we are about ten games into the season for every team, we're coming into the home stretch, final two weeks of the regular season, and then we will have the conference championship games in three weeks. But want to look at where we're at now. I don't think there will be a lot of change, but kind of break down where we're at with those top. Uh, six bowl games and then the national championship gonna look at the nfl weekly preview i realized we haven't really done that we've kind of done recaps we've done looking into the future but just a week-by-week breakdown i don't think we've done that but we're starting to get into the part of the season where i think we know who our teams are teams have hit their stride so want to look at what we have going on there gonna touch on the mlb awards that were handed out this week and then because it's my show and i'm finally gonna get to talk about it some pro wrestling stuff the other guys kind of scoff when I want to do pro wrestling, mostly because they don't watch and don't care, so I'm left to my lonesome, but as I am alone in the treehouse this week, we're going to talk about some pro wrestling and some big stuff that's been happening. But first, getting into the New Year's Six Bowl games, and we have the ranking this week, reminder, the college football playoff poll, which is the one that really matters as much as we all like the AP poll. So you're four right now if the playoff started today, Georgia would be your one, Alabama two, Oregon three, and Ohio State four. And here's where I think I differ from most people. I think only one of those four ends up making the playoff, and that's Georgia. They have been so dominant, so good. Jordan Davis is becoming the big star there. They are loaded with five-star recruits, and Kirby Smart's got that thing humming. May finally have a chance to take down the the pupil taking down the master if he's able to overcome Nick Saban. We've already seen Georgia beat Alabama in the regular season. I think those two are destined to meet each other in the SEC championship game. I don't see any stumbling blocks between now and then for either team. And Alabama may be two right now, but I think they're going to fall out. I don't think you can have a two-loss non-conference champion in there. There's never been a two-loss team in the playoff. And I think that's a good precedent to think Alabama will be on the outside looking in. Alabama beats Georgia and everything gets thrown into chaos. But as of right now, I think the Bulldogs hang on to that number one seed. And I have them playing the Cincinnati Bearcats in the first playoff game, which will be the Orange Bowl, the Orange and the Cotton Bowl, the two playoff games this year in the rotation. The playoff committee really doesn't want to put Cincinnati in, and they're showing that, kind of giving them the courtesy, oh, you're undefeated, you're 10-0, you've beat a Power 5 team in Notre Dame. But Cincinnati, I think, is going to hold on. Their toughest stretch is ahead of them. SMU this week, and then I believe Houston in two weeks. So they have to win out, and there's also a conference championship in the American. So those three wins are going to be pivotal for Cincinnati to make a run here. But I think they do it, and even so, I don't think they'll give them any better than the four seed. The committee doesn't want these mid-majors in there. They've made that clear. So they're going to try to feed them to Georgia and prove, well, look, they got in and they didn't deserve it. So as much as we don't like that, go Cincinnati. We want to see the Bearcats to get in, group, get the group of five represented. You can only play who they put in front of you. And if they run the table, including that win over Notre Dame, I think they're in. Speaking of the Fighting Irish, I think they end up at that three spot. This may be my most controversial opinion that nobody really agrees with me on. But Notre Dame is Notre Dame. They're one of the pillars of this sport. Working on an article right now on the ranking every D1 team. And as much as we hate to admit it, Notre Dame is on that Mount Rushmore. They, there's a reason they have the singular contract with NBC. People will watch this 
And at the end of the day, these college football playoff games are TV products. So I think they really want to have the Irish in there. Down at number eight in the rankings right now, the Big Ten, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute, I think will swing a lot of that. I think they will sneak in there. And even though Cincinnati beat them, I think the committee still wants to give credit to being, even though they're an independent, they're more of a power program. I think they would find a way to justify jumping Notre Dame up to that three spot. And the other team making a big jump here, call me a sucker, call me a homer fan, the Michigan Wolverines here at the end of the season. I think they're going to make the run. They have looked so good. We know Jim Harbaugh's got the talent. He's always going to have great defense there. He's been churning out NFL players on that defense forever. It's getting that offense going that he's really struggled with. They have Maryland coming up this week, which college football, nothing is guaranteed. Maryland has looked good at various points this year, but for the most part, we think the Wolverines should run over the Terrapins. And then it's the big game. It's the one that has famously almost cost Harbaugh's job all the time. Michigan at Ohio State on the weekend after Thanksgiving. I think the winner of that game ends up getting the bid here. Wisconsin on the other side could be playing spoiler. I'm not sure if it's official yet, but they look like the team coming out of the Big Ten West. So if you had Wisconsin versus either Ohio State or Michigan from the Big Ten East, I think the winner of that gets in. The Big Ten is one of the two best conferences, if not the best, depending on how you feel about the sec but i think the winner of that game gets in and i think they get jumped up to the two michigan sitting there at the six right now so i have the current five six and eight ranked teams jumping in alabama falling out i think ohio state who is four will fall out by virtue of losing to michigan and that leaves the oregon ducks and as much as it may pain pac-12 fans to hear i've watched enough of this team that i just cannot trust them they seem to play to the level of their competition it's hard to forget them almost losing to Arizona, almost losing to Cal. They still have going to Utah, who's probably the second best team in the Pac-12. That game is this weekend. Plus, they have their no longer called the Civil War rivalry against Oregon State coming up on Thanksgiving weekend. Two huge, huge games that are going to be tricky for the Ducks. Plus, you still have the Pac-12 championship, which quick look here at the rankings because the Pac-12 South is nobody's really good but somebody has to win it. It is Utah sitting there right now at six and one. If they lose, they'll be six and two Arizona state looking at five and two uh, UCLA sitting there. So they not sure if the Bruins still have an outside shot at this. The ducks should roll their head and shoulders above everybody else. If they win the pac 12, I think they can hang in there and get the bid. I just don't trust this team to win three more games and hold on to that top four spot. So that would give us a Orange Bowl of Georgia versus Cincinnati and a Cotton Bowl of Michigan versus Notre Dame. So your football purists would love that Michigan-Notre Dame Cotton Bowl and the TV ratings, I'm sure, would love it as well. But what happens to all these teams that are dropping out? I just kicked three of them out of the Final Four, so where do they go? I think they're all still going to make a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't think anybody's going to completely implode at this point in time. And we're going to start with the Sugar Bowl here. And that's where Alabama I have ending up. And this is going to be a huge one for the Sugar Bowl if they get it. Football fans should love this. I think they're going to get Oklahoma. The committee clearly has no interest in the Big 12. They do not like the Big 12. Oklahoma State is the highest ranked team right now at 9-1. and one. They are ninth. Baylor is 11th. And Oklahoma dropped all the way to 13th. I believe they were 8th last week. And Oklahoma still has Iowa State and Oklahoma State left to play. So two very losable games for them plus the big 12 championship it'll be very interesting here in the last couple weeks to see how this all shakes out with uh, these top three teams i'm not sure if iowa state or anybody else still has a mathematical shot at this thing but it seems to be a three-horse race right now Uh, but a big mess in the big 12 and the committee really seems not interested in this 
conference. If you get something where Notre Dame slips, Cincinnati slips, Oregon slips more than once, then I think one of these teams can catapult in there. But the Big 12 looks like it's probably going to be the on the outside looking in uh, along with the ACC. So a lot of questions here, but they seem to be the least interested conference for the power uh not the power of the playoff, but still Alabama, Oklahoma, and a Sugar Bowl. If you're a college football fan, even on a casual level, you have to love that one. The granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl, Pac-12 versus Big Ten, and here's where your Oregon Ducks fall to, so quite the quite a nice consolation prize to get to play in the Rose Bowl. And they would take on Michigan State. Sparty has Ohio State coming up this week. They look like they're kind of out of the title picture now. The weird thing, they beat Michigan, but Michigan is ranked ahead of them in the poll. Uh, in the playoff ranking. So very curious the way that they're viewing Michigan State. If you ask me, the Heisman winner is Kenneth Walker III. He's put up crazy numbers. He is the reason this team is where they are. 17 rushing touchdowns on the season. He's been phenomenal. But again, Michigan State already ranked behind Michigan, and they have the game against Ohio State coming up. So I think you're looking at a two-loss team here. I think they can handle Penn State, but they're going to be... I think they'll be ranked high enough. The committee showing some respect that they're already there at number seven. Something else to consider here, why they would go with Michigan State over Ohio State. Ohio State and Oregon already played once this year. Ohio State is the bigger brand name, but do they want the rematch, whoever they is, the Rose Bowl, college football, the colleges, whomever it may be. That's why I have Michigan State here over Ohio State, even if Ohio State ends up ranked ahead of them, which feels likely. I think they would be scared to run the rematch of Oregon versus Ohio State. And if you're Oregon, you should be scared to have that rematch because since that game, those teams have looked very different. Ohio State's looked far better. So I think for the fresh matchup, Sparty gets that one in their now highly overpaid head coach. Uh, Fiesta Bowl, we have two at-large teams, and here's where the Buckeyes fall in. Uh, kind of a random matchup here, but I think is really fun. Ohio State versus the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. The ACC is an absolute mess right now. The Wake Forest story is really fun, even though they're 9-1. and one, They're out of the playoff hunts. They're, I believe they are the lowest-ranked Power 5 leader right now, down at number 10. And dare we say the Clemson Tigers are sitting there. These two teams play each other head-to-head this week. So Clemson has two losses in the conference. Wake Forest is currently 6-0 and in the conference, but they end at Clemson and at Boston College. Boston College has been not good in conference play. They're at the bottom of the Atlantic right now. They're 2-4, and so that should be winnable for Wake Forest. So they should be safe, but if they lose to Clemson and lose to Boston College, and I believe Clemson would come out of the Atlantic, we all love Kenny Pickett, Kenny Two Gloves, and the Pittsburgh Panthers story on the other side. So basically, the Fiesta Bowl, I believe, is going to get the winner of the ACC, which I think will be Wake Forest. It'd be fun if it's Pittsburgh. I think Virginia and Clemson, maybe even North Carolina State, depending on how the math all shakes out, may have a shot at this. Please don't let it be Clemson. I'd love to see Wake Forest get in here. I don't know that they have any of the horses to hang with Ohio State, but for the sake of a fun, random matchup and getting Wake Forest some acclaim, good, good for the Demon Deacons. And then the last one, the Peach Bowl. This is where we're going to get our other group of five representative. So I should step back here, the bids. So in this year's rotation with the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl going into the semifinal games, Rose Bowl is tied in with the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Sugar Bowl is tied in with the Big 12 and the SEC. The Fiesta Bowl gets two at-larges. The Peach Bowl gets an at-large and a group of five school. So if Cincinnati goes up, which we all hope they do, that opens the door for BYU, who are currently the highest ranked uh power five school outside of Cincinnati could be some other fun teams getting in here I'd be curious to see uh, 
depending on how it works out, could a San Diego State get the spot, a UTSA? How fun would some of these schools be? Get, get some special treatment for them. But the Peach Bowl, BYU and Oklahoma State, even though they don't get a team in the playoff, I think both the Oklahoma schools will represent the Big 12 in New Year's Six Bowl games. Baylor, I think, would be fun to get in there just to change it up. I think the Big 12 is looked at as good enough, but maybe not good enough to get in the actual playoff. So those are your New Year's Six Bowl game projections as we stand right now. So you can look back on this in a couple of weeks and reflect on how right we were. But you have Georgia and Cincinnati in playoff game one, the Orange Bowl, playoff game two, the Cotton Bowl, Michigan and Notre Dame, Sugar Bowl, Alabama, Oklahoma, Rose Bowl, Oregon, Michigan State, Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State, Wake Forest, and the Peach Bowl, BYU and Oklahoma State, which signed me up for all six of those games if, if those all come to fruition. Fingers crossed we're right on every single one of them. Changing gears here, going to talk a little bit about the NFL schedule coming up and going to skip over the Thursday night football game because by the time this drops, that game should be mostly over or half over. Let's just safely assume that New England's going to win that because the Patriots have caught fire. Everybody's falling in love with Mac Jones and fawning all over him saying, oh, he's already better than Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Yes, he looks very good in that system, but let's slow down before we anoint him king of the world. But safely just assume that the Patriots are going to win because the Falcons are in a tailspin and really other than Grady Jarrett and Matt Ryan, I'm not sure what they have for healthy players right now. But just going on the schedule here, the way ESPN is presenting it to me, so you have the Colts at the Bills and I think the Bills are finally figuring it out. They're getting right. They had a couple stumbling blocks, but they have a plus 145 uh, scoring differential, which is absurd. That's 100 more than anybody else in the AFC. So they're putting up points like mad, and the defense has been far better, uh, only giving up 135 points, which I believe is the best in the AFC. So the Bills, I think, have gotten right. They're 3-0 in the division, which helps. But the Bills, as much as we like the Colts, the Colts are sneakily getting into that playoff picture. I don't know that anybody expected that out of them. And you look at the way the guys are performing. Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman are carrying this team, those young guys who were drafted together. The Colts are good, but I don't think they can hang in this one. I suspect the Bills, a shockingly low-scoring game. I think both these teams have a little better defense than most people realize. I mean, like a 2017 Bills win here. Uh, the Ravens going to Chicago. Everybody's worried about the Ravens now, suspect over their last game and how difficult they looked, but that's what Thursday night games are. Never put any stock in what you see on a Thursday night football game because that's when weird, fluky things happen. I think they get right here. Chicago's going to have a rough year, even though Justin Fields may look really good and he's been steadily better as the season's improved. I have no faith in the Bears being all that great. The defense will shut people down. David Montgomery's been banged up. I'm not sure what shape Allen Robinson is in. Uh, Just too many worries for me to trust the Bears there, and as much as I don't like the Ravens, I think they're going to take this one away. The Browns and the Lions, what do we make of this? The Lions lost, should have got their first win last week in a horribly ugly game against the Steelers. They go to Cleveland, who's coming off an absolute bashing that they were handed last week. The Browns are still right in there for that playoff hunt, so give me the Browns in this one. I don't think the Lions end up winless. I don't think they end up 0-16-1 or whatever. They're going to get a win, but it's not going to come in this game. If you want to blow out this week, put all your money on the Titans. That that wheel just keeps on turning. Whatever Mike Rabel and Ryan Tannehill have in the water in Tennessee, they're crushing people even without the best running back of his generation. And the Titans expect them to roll over Houston. I, this Houston team is done. Their goose is cooked. They are ready to go 1-16 and get the first overall draft pick. No faith in the Texans. An interesting battle in the NFC North. The constant turnover 
turnover. Constant turmoil in Aaron Rodgers' drama in Green Bay. Goes to vaunted rival Minnesota. I want to like this Viking team. I really do. Some weeks they look amazing, and then some weeks they fall on their face. As much as I want to trust them, I just can't. The Packers, impressive defensively. I know Russell Wilson was coming back from injury, but he's still Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, that rushing attack, plus DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Green Bay absolutely shut all those guys down. They may have the best defense in the NFC, and nobody talks about it. Everybody thinks about the offense with the Packers. They love to draft secondary players, plus you have Smith & Smith there on the defensive front for them. So I would not be shocked to see the Packers run all over the Vikings here in this one. Minnesota struggles. Green Bay really puts the hurt on you defensively. Uh, The Jets and the Dolphins, do we have to? Um, Give me Miami in this one. Somebody has to win, and I like the Dolphins' defense more, so that's really my only rationale here for this game that please don't make me watch. New Orleans versus Philadelphia. This one is a tricky one. Hard to know how to feel about either of these teams. New Orleans with the quarterback situation. They've really been in a tailspin here the last couple of weeks ever since Jameis Winston went down, which is a weird sentence to have to say. I think Philadelphia is going to surprise some people. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they're going to make a run at 500. Jalen Hurts seems to be figuring stuff out. Devontae Smith is really coming on. I think the Eagles are going to be a sneaky team here to maybe get on a little hot streak and win a few games. This will be one of them. I thought New Orleans was going to have a huge fall this year. They've already exceeded more than what I've expected out of them. You know the defense is going to be ready to play. That offensive line is fantastic, but I think the firepower is there for the Eagles to take them down. This may be my most intriguing game of the week. Ron Rivera and Cam Newton reunited on opposite sides. Ron Rivera, the coach of the Washington football team. Cam Newton and his return to the Panthers. They had him in some special situations last week. I fully expect him to be the man this week for the Panthers. So a game of two teams that aren't really in the playoff hunt, but a really fun matchup with those two guys. They took the Panthers to the Super Bowl together. Give me Cam Newton in this one. I just think the Panthers, the Panthers in Washington, I think are pretty close to equal on defense, but the Panthers have the offensive advantage with a seemingly revitalized Cam Newton. Somehow him going there has revitalized both he and uh, the entire team in the city. San Francisco at Jacksonville, another game that, I do, do I have to watch it? But Jacksonville, we like him. We like Trevor Lawrence. I think there's a lot to be excited about, but San Francisco's getting right. I know everybody's doom and gloom on Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, and is it Trey Lance time? I think they can still run over the Jaguars in this one. West Coast teams going to the East Coast is always concerning, but Jacksonville just, they're not even in San Francisco's level talent-wise. The Bengals and the Raiders, the Raiders... We say it all the time, the most mercurial team. Absolutely no idea what you're going to get out of this team. Still a miracle that they have done as well as they've done, but lost two in a row here. Things may finally be turning sour. And the Bengals also lost two in a row, but Joe Burrow looks like the real deal. The offense is humming. They need some more work out of that defense. The defense needs to bring them in games. We saw it happen with the Browns when they were absolutely ripped apart. Give me the Bengals here to bounce back against Las Vegas. You're... Probably your game of the weekend for them, casual fan perspective. The Cowboys at the Chiefs. Speaking of teams that are getting right and getting hot, here are the Chiefs. They've won three in a row. They're 6-4. and four. They're atop the AFC West. I still think the Chargers are going to get back at them, but the Chiefs are starting to look like the Chiefs of old. Still not impressed by that defense. They seem kind of old and past their prime. But that offense, as long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are on the same page and Patrick Mahomes can throw to the right team and not Trevon Diggs, 
give me the Chiefs in this one. It'll be fun. I fully expect points in this one. I think it was the Chiefs and Rams several years ago, and it was like 58 to 50 or something crazy like that. I think that's the kind of game we're going to have here. I would not be shocked if both of these teams get north of 35 points in an offensive shootout. At Kansas City, not sure what the conditions are going to be, but if the weather impacts that, that may slow down the Cowboys. They'll put up points, but I think Kansas City is riding the hot hand right now. They'll be able to overcome Dallas. The Cardinals at the Seahawks, uh, which quarterback is healthy and what shape will they be in? Kyler Murray is supposedly feeling ready to come back this week. Arizona has not been the same without him. Great for them to still be 8-2 and two and be atop the NFC, but if Murray's not there, not 100%, I don't think they can hang with a seemingly 100% Russell Wilson. I'm going to chalk last week up as a mulligan coming back from injury and being in rough shape. But if you're Seattle and you lose this when your season is done, I don't think you can get in at 9-7 and seven in the NFC being maybe the third best team in your own con- in your own division. The Rams and the aforementioned Cardinals seem far and, far and away ahead of Seattle right now. Seattle would be 3-7 and seven after this, and you're basically done there. So I think a healthy Russell Wilson and a maybe not healthy Kyler Murray adds up to a Seattle win here. And then our Sunday night game, you've got Pittsburgh at the Chargers. No Ben Roethlisberger, no chance for the Steelers. So give me the Chargers in this one. Another team that really needs to figure things out. They've fallen to 5-4. and four. Justin Herbert doesn't look as special as he did in the first four weeks, but they're hanging in there. They're battling. They've got a lot of talent to get on board. They have just, There's too many weapons for the Chargers to not do more with this. And then your Monday night game, the Giants at the Buccaneers. I, Buccaneers to win by about 50. Uh, just take that for what it is. We, I think we know what these two teams are. We know that Tom Brady gets better as the season goes on, and the Giants are done. They're already looking forward to next season. So... There's your NFL weekly schedule, some up and down games Some there's always going to be bad matchups with bad teams. But I think when you look at the likes of a, a weird matchup with the Saints and Eagles, Washington, Carolina, Dallas, Kansas City, Arizona, Seattle, there's a lot of fun matchups on there. And then you still have, you know, while Pittsburgh may not have the offense, that Pittsburgh defense against Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense, you do have fun matchups there. So I don't really know that you have many stinkers on this week's schedule. But really starting to get into the nitty-gritty. Any of these teams find their way to seven losses. I think that's going to be the season for them. So a lot of teams really battling for their life already and to keep them in the keep themselves in the hunt here. Getting to a season that is already wrapped up here, we have our big four award winners in Major League Baseball announced this week. You had your MVP winners, Shohei Otani of the Angels for the AL MVP, Bryce Harper of the Nationals for the NL MVP, Robbie Ray of the Blue Jays for the AL Cy Young, and Corbin Burns from the National League for the NL Cy Young Award uh, for the Brewers, sorry. And I agree with one of these. I think Robbie Ray is the surefire, stone-cold lock winner. If you looked at the numbers, Robbie Ray was head, Robbie Ray was head and shoulders better than all AL pitchers. Corbin Burns was the one that surprises me the most here. I think uh, if you look back at our all-MLB pitching rotation he was not even on the team i would have thought this was going to max scherzer if i had a vote i would have given it to scherzer i even thought maybe walker bueller would have been the other one just burns had a good season part of that rotation those big three arms they have plus a great bullpen i think his best years are still ahead of him but i struggle to that's that's the one that surprised me the most i guess the other two i think otani and harper would have been number two on my list I think Freddie Freeman, because the Braves actually made the playoffs. That's the interesting interesting thing about this. 
three of these four people were on teams that didn't make the playoffs. And I get that Major League Baseball is more of an individual sport than the other ones. But I would still give it to Robbie Ray, or Jeepers, Freddie Freeman, for getting the Braves to the playoffs, being that leader, a former MVP, and they also had numbers that stood towards the top of the National League. I would have gone Freddie Freeman. And then the AL, I absolutely understand giving it to Shohei Otani for respecting that he's able to do it as a hitter and a pitcher. But purely based on numbers, I would have gone Vlad Guerrero Jr. He led not just the American League, but all of baseball in seemingly every offensive category. The guy can hit the ball a mile. Can't complain about really any of these guys, all very deserving. Moving on to something else, a fun, uh, one thing I want to put a bow on this week, a fun week with Adam Page, the hangman Adam Page and AEW, All Elite Wrestling, winning their world championship. This is a promotion, if you're not familiar, it's a pro wrestling company. It's a startup company alternative to WWE, and they've done a great job building, building, building kind of some indie talent, some lower name guys in the last couple months. They've really brought in some big names. Adam Page is a guy they had when they started, a young guy from Ring of Honor. If anybody's a Ring of Honor fan, they saw him there, and he was great. And won their championship this weekend, a good feel-good moment for them. They've built the story really well. AEW something to watch if you were once a pro wrestling fan or trying to get back into it or just want to give something a casual viewing experience, check out AEW. Kind of sad what they've done to some other companies with ROH in particular basically going out of business. But hopefully a lot of those guys can get picked up. We've already seen Jay Lethal come there, but a lot of talent in ROH now out of work. Hopefully they can find their way to AEW. WWE is in a weird spot cutting a lot of guys, so a time of transition, and hopefully they turn up and AEW can get bigger and better for it. But all in all, a fun wrestling weekend if you want to check that out on any of your pay-per-view or streaming services, wherever people who don't use rabbit ears find that kind of stuff. But I wanted to sneak in some pro wrestling here because the other guys don't let me do it. But without them here, I'm going to say go pro wrestling. They are athletes. They are entertainers. It is an incredible feat what they're able to do. It is not fake. It is scripted. It is planned, but it is not fake. You get hit, you get injured. So all due respect to pro wrestlers and what they're able to do. And with that being said, that's going to be this week's show. Thank you for joining us on a shortened edition. My it's shocking how much this hurts your vocal cords when you just talk straight for 25 minutes. Didn't realize that until I started doing it. Uh, but thank you all for joining us this week. We'll be back next week. Kind of the plan of attack for the show here for a couple weeks. We will be doing a special trivia edition next week for your Thanksgiving. Going to get Kevin and Shannon in here for some sports trivia. It's been a while since we did that. Looking at doing, probably do some basketball and some football conference championship week preview with Andrew on December 2nd. December 9th, Shannon and Kevin back in here for a college wrestling preview. We talk about really being the show that spins the roulette wheel. We try to get as many topics as we can covered. College wrestling is a big one that we're all passionate about, and we want to do a season preview there. And then look ahead to the rest of the end of 2021. That's about all I've got planned out so far the next three weeks of shows. But we thank you all for joining us and always supporting us. Enjoy the rest of your night. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you back next Thursday on the Sports Gospel.